0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. I'm so happy to have you back and listening. Today we have a very exciting guest that I will be introducing shortly. So stick around because this is going to be a very interesting interview where we go in depth talking about equine massage and behavior and how these things influence our relationships with our horse and how we can use them to better the partnerships that we have with our horse. So before we get into it, I just want to leave a short ad break for a sponsored message. So tune into that quickly and then we'll get right into the interview you, and we can introduce the very special guest that I have here today. Yeah. So today on the
1: podcast, we have Jim Masterson from the Masterson Method. You can look him up at MastersonMethod.com, and we're just going to hear a little bit about him and what he does. So take it away, Jim.
2: Okay. Um, well, what we do is we teach a uh, method of equine body work that um, I kind of stumbled across when I was grooming hunter jumpers down here in the States on the show circuit. I'm saying down here in the States because Shelby's in Canada. There may be (laughs) listeners down here in the States too. But um, it's a method of equine body work where you learn to read and follow the responses of the horse to your touch as you're doing the body work to help the horse release tension. So uh, it's a a kind of a method where the horse participates in the process of releasing tension in the body. Um, and I did this for a living working on show horses for quite a while and eventually started teaching it because people wanted to learn it. It's very interactive with the horse and it's uh, easy to teach. So in a nutshell, um, that's what I do.
1: That's super cool. So is part of what you do then when you're teaching, you teach about like what behaviors to look for while people are working on their horses?
2: Yeah, I call them responses, responses to to touch or to what you're doing. So there's there there are changes in behavior that range from super, super subtle changes in behavior, such as maybe a lip twitching or an eyelid blinking or a change of breathing to larger um, uh, responses such as uh, repeated yawning, uh, snorting and sneezing, um, stretching. The horse will occasionally reach around and stretch as you release tension. it'll uh, kind of move through that range of motion in its body. So when, if, if you learn how to pay really close attention to what the horse's body's t- language is telling you, the, the horse end up, ends up being part of the process. And it's it's uh, it turns out it's not only is it really rewarding and, and fun, but it's super effective too.
1: That's awesome. So then the next person I'm going to introduce is Dylan Silver. And we'll hear about what both of you are working on together. Um, and talk a little bit about that too.
3: So you want me to give an introduction to myself?
1: Yeah, yeah, please. Yes. And then, yeah, talk about, yeah, how you two are connected and just a little bit about, of yeah. And then we can go into questions after that. So whatever you think is most important to say.
2: Okay. You're, you're on, Dylan. <laughs> Dylan, you're a director, so we're going to have to say action or something. Okay, action.
3: Don't worry, it's not required, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm Dylan, I'm a director, uh, a filmmaker, I'm also an actor and a screenwriter, Um, but my background comes predominantly from filmmaking. Uh, And what else can I say about my background? (laughs) Mine Like Still Water was my first documentary in many ways, it was actually the first time someone gave me an opportunity to direct something um, and use basically free reign with what I felt like the story should be in a way. Uh, And it's a huge gift because most artists don't get that, especially in the beginning of their careers. Um, So I was tasked with uh, coming to this clinic that Mark and Jim run together. Uh, Mark was a colleague of mine Uh, for many years. I acted a small bit part in one of his movies. Mark is a screenwriter as well and he has this love for filmmaking. And we just really connected, and over the years we'd send each other our work. And one day, Mark always knew that I wanted to direct and that I had it in me, you know, that I had these big dreams. And he said, "Hey, Dylan, you know, um, Jim and I run this clinic and it's it's actually very rare that two clinicians work together. And he sort of gave me a little bit deeper of an understanding of why this clinic was special. Um, and he said, would you be interested in coming to direct sort of like a a, a little five-minute thing about what, what we do? And I said, okay, well, send me a, a beat sheet, basically just like an outline. Send me some rough idea of what it is that you want so that I have some sort of gauge on um, like what you're looking for. And what he sent back was was very educational. It was like, this is Mark doing this, this is Jim doing that. And while really informative, I knew instantaneously I was not the person for the job because my I'm a novice uh, horse fan. I know almost, I'm coming from the perspective of knowing less than anybody else in the room. Um, and I gracefully kind of declined. And then Mark said, well, why? And I said to him, to be honest, I've seen your work. And I've read some of your books and I'm a narrative filmmaker. So what I would want to do is make a film that yes, it's going to be promoting your work inadvertently, but what it's actually doing is showing how the way in which you and Jim work, the philosophies you guys have can change someone's life and how they can impact the way you connect with your animal and the way you connect with the rest of the world and society and nature. And cause that's what I got out of it when I first you know read my first book of marks and and then saw Jim's work. It was the same different different mechanisms to achieve these fascinating um, results. And and then Mark and Jim were like, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, come <laughs> come do that. <laughs> so we showed we we showed up to set intending, you know, I brought a teeny tiny crew. The idea was we'll just find something and we'll make a five minute piece, but we shot about 50 hours. So wow to a year later and um we have a 40-minute movie that wow. that is doing pretty well which is really cool and we I mean I don't think any of us ever thought it would it would be that which is why I say their trust was huge
1: yeah that's awesome so where can people watch the movie if they're interested in seeing it um like where would you stream it off of or where, where will it will it be
3: available eventually Everywhere. We've all, uh, we, we, uh, you can find us on Amazon, iTunes, Best Buy. No you can get a CD, you can stream it. Mark, what am I missing? And the Mark Masterson website. Okay. The, the, I'm, I'm sorry. I said the Mark Masterson, the Jim Masterson website, the Mark Rat website.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Because I think getting more of that stuff, especially since the method is all about like watching the horse's response. It just makes people more sensitive to how horses are feeling and like pain or tension that they might go through. So I think that's a really cool thing to do for a documentary. And um, it's also cool for for you if you're a novice horse person to be the one behind it because then you can also kind of look at it in a way that horse people might not when you're explaining it to people to make it interesting and engaging for people even if they're not like super into horses or super experienced with what. They're.
3: That was the exact idea. How do we make a film that if you know nothing about horses that you're as enthralled as somebody who's already an enthusiast. And it's really the, Jim, the work that Mark and Jim do sometimes is not so apparent. You know, like Jim said, you notice an eye twitch of a horse. Well, it was like, I mean, there were days where we we were, I was thinking like, how am I going to get what I saw to be understood by somebody <laughs> who's never seen this and is coming with no knowledge. And I think we achieved that in the film, but it was a challenge. I don't know. Yeah, That's you so did awesome.
2: like you, 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 Dylan picked up on some things and um that were that cuz it's hard to see sometimes subtle changes in the horse's behavior and in Mark's case, you know, he he's all about softening with the horse. So, it's hard to pick up sometimes those subtle things, but you um Dylan was able to um pick up like the the meaning and the essence of it just with a few key things in there and and uh we when We've, well, I thought we were just gonna do a film about the clinic, you know, about the, the clinic Mark and I do together. And, and I can go a little bit, you know, tell, talk about the clinic. Um, you know, I teach equine body work and, and the, the kind of, you have to be very um, soft with this type of body work. You have to stay under the horse's bracing response because they brace and, uh, against tension and pain. They survive by just blocking it out. So it's a lot about feel not just observing, but about feel. So if you're asking for a particular movement in a horse, you have to do it in a way that the horse doesn't brace against it. And Mark's the same in in what he teaches in riding um, under the saddle. So, you know, we came together to do these clinics um, because there was kind of an overlap. And I thought, you know, when Mark said, we had this idea, well, we should film a clinic, you know? And I was thinking, yeah, that'd be cool because then we can, we can show people that can't make, make it to a clinic, you know, how to do what we're teaching people to do. So it'd be kind of educational. And then like Dylan said, it went from that to a, a short thing to something where she and Mark and I just kind of like, like she said, just say, we, we trusted her creative ability and, and her fresh eye to, to it. And so she, she picked up on like two of the participants in the clinic and the, not just the problem not so much the the issues they had with their horses but it turns out it's the trans the issue they had with in their life you know the way they lived their daily life and how it affected their relationship with their horses so complete you know um different direction but it's it's what both Mark and I talk about in in the clinics you know you can't you you have to be able to soften inside and you can't just do that in the clinic you got to you gotta look at the way you're living your life in order to, because the horse will pick up on that. So it was pretty, uh, a pretty interesting kind of way it went. And uh, I mean, they, those, those guys, Dylan and her crew were like all day long, every day for I think like three or four days. And then they're all night up editing and they'd show up in the morning. They'd show up in the morning with these smiles on their faces and their eyeballs hanging out like, it went on the coffee jitters, you know, cause they'd been up all night editing, but then they just go right at it the next day. And, and the story that came out of it was really cool.
1: So who came up with the name for the movie and what's the significance of the name? Because it has a really neat name. Um, and I'm just, I'm just wondering how that came about. Um, a mind like Stillwater for anyone who wants to look up the movie.
2: Well, if you when you watch the the film, uh, Mark will be talking about that. too. There, there's just one short part where he talks about because he does um, he's done for like 20 years uh, martial arts aikido, and there's a there's kind of an Eastern tradition to that kind of an inner an inner part of that that he he um, he translates into his translates into his work with horses and into the, his work with people you know the owners and the riders. And there's a there's a, there's a certain calmness that you have to have on the inside that um, you don't have to have it. It's your choice. But when you ha- have this calmness on the inside, it um, it changes the way that you live in your life. But also it changes the way you work with your horse because your horses pick up on they pick up on that stuff. They pick up on the way you 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 see life and maybe you react or respond to life. So when you see the film, Mark, I'll be talking about that. It's just a short little part that he's talking about it, but it, um, I think Dylan uh, picked up on that real, right away as kind of the essence of the, the film.
3: After we, else, the editing, after we were done editing, after we were done editing those kind of months long process of um, coloring the film and, uh, all the music is original in the film. So that took two, three months as well with the composer. Just every element required a lot of time. And I had a, um, like a note, I don't know, whatever that app is on your iPhone that you can write notes on. And just every day I'd look at it and sort of look at all the titles. And all of us were brainstorming together too. And I just, the only one that ever spoke to me was that title. Because A Mind Like Stillwater, in essence, what is, first of all, it's engaging. So if we're not into, whether you're into horses or not, you're like, Oh, what is, what does that mean? And you want to kind of like get a better idea of what that even means. And to me, it was that a tranquility of mind is sort of the key, right? Where you're not ruled by your emotions. You're not ruled by your cortisol levels. You're sort of, you're seeing things with clear eyes. You're seeing things like a smooth, you know, river and, and what mark and jim do in their work is literally and what they also are like in themselves they embody that essence of like you just let it go and you sort of you have this ease within yourself that allows you to see things clearly and i i always i think that also the slogan for the film like the poster like of course it's been months now but i think it's like a um uh one the way you do one thing is how you do everything, and that's another big part of the film. So mind like slow, right? So if you have a, a a cool, steady mind, you can sort of see things clearly. I and mean, the way in which you treat your horse is the way in which you treat your family, is the way in which you treat your loved ones, and sort of that that um, idea. So that all of that is, I think.
2: When you- yeah and you're you're also not ruled by by what your horse does. you know somebody has to be the adult you know and so um when your horse behaves a certain way we get we tend to get caught up in it and we tend to brace against it we tend to try to counter it you know and so um it, uh if you if you do have this certain level of confidence and calmness in you, then when the horse reacts and it it might start to react or misbehave or pull back or whatever I mean if you can if you can stay calm and stay with it, then it's gonna, it's not gonna escalate. It's gonna go the other way. And so that's an important message with people because when the horse reacts to something, they brace, they pull, they do something. We tend to brace against it. We tend to pull back. We tend to try to correct it. When all the horse needs is a little space, a little a little space to, to realize, oh, okay, I am safe because that's what, that's the horse's main thing. Am I safe? And we don't get that. We, we tend, you know, the, we tend to think the horse is doing something. Uh, we take it personally. The horse is doing something, it's being a jerk. Well, the horse isn't being a jerk. The horse is being afraid or worried or whatever. And when you can give it the space to realize, okay, it is safe, you know, I'm not gonna be eaten, then, um, then things, it comes back to you again. But you have to have that certain, you know, calmness and confidence to, for that to happen. So.
3: I like that you, Jim and Mark, both in the film, sort of, it's it's expressed in the film that um, you just observe. Don't, there's no, don't garner any judgments about it and don't create a story about it. You know, that we as humans always want to create stories. My horse is doing this because X, Y, and Z. This person in my life is doing this because this is how they feel about me. Actually, it has nothing to do with you. So, the, so you know, the, it's in the film constantly, this thing of like, just it's sort of, to me, it's like, just love them, you know, just listen, just watch. And, and then you sort of see what's going on and you go, okay. And then you sort of, then you work with it, but there's this, it just, it brings such a new level of levity and connection when you start seeing things like that. And it's, it's crazy in their clinics to watch how, I bet some of the people who come to them for years have been, I mean, one of our, one of the that I say call them actors, but they're not. One of the talent, the 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 women that I followed in the film, she for years had um, uh, one of her horses, and and just assumed that after years of unintentional mistakes, that it was just unremedy, like she wouldn't be able to to create a new foundation. And I think Mark even says in the film, like you can just begin today. You can start fresh, horses don't have stories. You can, it's not like us where we carry our damage and our trauma and we work so vigilantly to heal. You know, they, they, they have this trust that if you say to them, okay, today will be different. They're like, cool, okay. Well, that's what I, that's what I got out of a <laughs> few days at the clinic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think the title actually, like it evokes such a strong image when you think of like still water that like, I think for anyone like horse related or not, you can kind of resonate with like that feeling and like what it would be like to like be yeah, completely calm and like with it and like placid without a ton of inner turmoil or like worry or stress. So I think that the title is like so awesome for that because it, it's like a very powerful image that anyone can relate to and anyone can picture Um, and it really does encompass like kind of yeah what the human horse relationship is like because especially since they're flight animals if you're always on edge they always have a reason to be on edge too so and, and it's really hard to work with such a big animal that can be so dangerous that can have these big reactions and keep that calm So it's definitely something that people need to practice a lot, but it's so, so important. And I think that's a really good way of wording it because even for people that have horses, if you're trying to explain to them like what state of being you need them to be in, something like that is probably more powerful and for them to understand and feel than trying to explain how to go through the motions like inhale, exhale, do this, do that, because People know how to do square breathing and know things to try to make themselves feel less anxious, but they can't always envision what you need to do to like calm your mind. Um, and without calming your mind, the rest of your body can't really be calm. And
3: that's a huge so. ask, too, to ask someone to calm their mind. I mean, we're like Western civilization human beings. Right.
2: And- I know. I hate it when that happens. They <laughs> ask me to calm my mind.
3: Like- Anything <laughs> it makes us more. Irate, or or also, we're like, I am calm, you know. We is so it's it's such a amazing ask, and it's such a big ask, and I think that the patience with which Mark and Jim sort of navigate that, and then you see in this documentary, these women were so gracious to let me in, and I really like put the camera in their faces at times that they were not at the, in that moment necessarily super keen on because you see what a they feel how vulnerable that is to be asked. To, to soften because they themselves are going to have to soften within themselves and be sweeter to themselves in order to be able to be sweeter to their, to their animal. It's tough.
1: Yeah. That's like very good point. And it's, yeah, it's interesting. And I, for everyone that was part of the film, watching it back to would probably be super interesting because you get like a different perspective on how you felt in that moment. And then if they were calming themselves from one moment to the next you actually get to kind of see it physically in a way that you won't when you're just standing there in the moment and not kind of watching from the outside like you get such a neat perspective looking at stuff unfold when you're not directly part of it and you're kind of just off to the side and you can see what everyone is doing so yeah that's a really good to watch somebody else
2: be part of it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly Yeah, it's such a it's such a cool thing. So I do have a few questions um, for Jim, like about what you do and just your experience as a horse person, I suppose, like, especially since you travel and you're meeting lots of different people. Um, I have questions that are kind of relating to that. And like what your experience in the horse world is that especially like for the documentary and stuff. I'm sure that you've had a lot of experiences over the years that have led to you wanting to produce something that people can see outside of your clinics to kind of make a difference for the horses and show them your way of doing things without people always having to like, yeah, get you, like get you for a clinic or if they don't want to like read a book or listen to a podcast, like a visual, like a movie is very powerful for a lot of people. And they, like it resonates with people. So I think it's cool that you decided to like put, take all your experience and put it into a format that anyone can watch. And that allows people who are getting into horses to kind of dip their feet in and see tactics that they can use to try to keep themselves calm as they're learning. And then also experienced horse people Um, because there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I find is missed on a pretty large scale in the horse world, just in my experience with people not necessarily taking the time to like sit back and like watch what their horse is actually doing and not necessarily being sensitive to how the horse is feeling in a given moment and if you're not doing that it's really really easy to cut yeah like you were saying earlier to look at the horse and be like oh they're just being a jerk um so i think the entire premise of your documentary is like a super important thing for the horse world as a whole Um, but i wanted to ask like for you as a body worker and also just like a horseman, what would you say is one of the biggest problems that you see with horse people and their horses, like at, at your clinics? Like what do you think is like the main cause behind like be- unwanted behaviors that you might see in your clinic or horses being sore or what aspects do you think are like the most. Well, yeah, I know, to I know what you mean.
2: So when I started doing this, I was grooming um, hunter jumpers on the show circuit. So I didn't have any interest in massage or body work or anything like that. But I noticed these, um, I noticed these subtle changes in the horse's behavior when, other, when therapists were working on them, whether it was a massage therapist or an acupressure or um, chiropractors. And, and that's what kind of got me interested because you know, I was interested in the animal. And, um, and, but I realized in that business, you know, I started, I, I started experimenting with it and it turned in this method of body work that it turns out was really effective. You know, I did it for nine years working on probably six or seven or 800 horses a year on the show circuit and off, but mostly on, but, and the thing is they don't, they won't, a trainer won't hire you to come back if it doesn't work. So it worked. And it was super effective because the, I did. The horse was involved in it. But one thing that came out of that for me, um, that is that people don't realize what their horses are uh, covering up, because that's how they survive. They survive by covering up pain and discomfort. If they start to get lame or sore somewhere, say they get sore in their lower back or in a you know, maybe a, 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 or a limb, you know, a flexor tendon or anything, they start to get sore, they cover it up, they pretend it's not happening, because they have to, you know, they're not, they're programmed in the wild to, to to do that to survive. So, um, and they'll do anything, they'll just keep going, and they'll just keep going, and they'll keep going, and they'll do anything you want till the point where they become so uncomfortable that they either go lame, or they misbehave. So um, I think the most important thing is that people, they don't realize when their horse is being overworked, oversore, uh, overexerted, they don't realize that when they're overdoing it with the horse because the horse doesn't tell them till it gets so bad that they either go lame or they say no. And then when they say no, they get get, uh, their behaviors corrected because we as humans don't realize what what they're going through. And I'm not saying you know you need to treat your horse like a kitty cat or a kitten or something. They, they like to work. They need a job. They survive in the wild by, you know, by keeping going. But I think that's the biggest thing is you don't know what your horse is really covering up and, and what's building up in your horse's body because they don't show you. Um, and so when you do learn how to read what the horse is telling you, and with the body work techniques, you go, you use, you don't use a lot of pressure to start with, so that the horse will tell you. And the, and then when the horse starts to tell you, and you start to follow that, the horse's nervous system starts to allow the tension to release. They don't think about it like they don't analyze what, like we do. Oh, this person is being nice to me. I'm gonna go ahead and trust it. They don't analyze like that. It just happens automatically when you take the pressure off, and then you pay attention to what their body's saying. Their their body will start to release release that tension. So I guess the short answer to your question, I did, I usually don't answer with short answers, but I usually answer with big long drawn out answers like that, and then I give the short answer at the end. Shorter answer is we don't know what's going on with our horses because we don't know how to read the subtle signs.
1: That's yeah that that's something really important in the horse world that I've noticed too, and it's not always for like. Um, yeah releasing tension in the way you do with like massage and whatnot but yeah in general I find that especially when you compare horses to other types of animals like dogs I find that horse people even like highly experienced people aren't necessarily super adept at reading what their horse is saying because unlike a dog or a cat even horses don't they're, they're not as like obvious in their communication. It's very subtle and it's very body language based more so than other animals because they're flight animals. And it's, it's really hard to, to learn how to be on it and reading the behaviors as they happen, unless you become sensitive to it. Um,
2: It's a constant learning process. You know, it's not, you never stop Um, noticing new things even you know we're used to doing things the same old way even people that have been around horses their whole lives they learned a certain way and they kind of stay in that way and and so it's you need somebody to come along and show you well maybe there's something a little different here just a little not too different because then it's going to be hard to take but you know even when I'm working with horses I'm you know I have to always be open that avoid having a an agenda because when you get an agenda with your horse where you already know everything then you're going to miss the things that are important that are going to help you improve so it it doesn't matter whether it's me or you or or somebody else you know if you don't have that um uh willingness to be open to the possibility that there might be a better way then you're just kind of going to get stuck in the same old way so
1: Yeah, that's a really good point to make, too, because, yeah, like, it is hard to change. Like, that's the one thing I've noticed with the horse world, too, is that there's a lot of people that are very stuck in tradition, and it makes it very hard for them to experience personal growth because they kind of go into a state of denial. If, yeah, if it's too radical at the beginning, like, if you say too much, people backpedal and they'll become hyper defensive as a result but that's why I like the movies and like stuff like that and like yeah movies podcasts videos any source of information that you can just kind of put out there and be like here you go if you're interested and then people can come to it on their own and then they're usually more receptive so i bet a lot of the people that end up watching your documentary are watching it and they might not go into it thinking that they're gonna mm-hmm. agree with everything that they do but then it'll kind of be like a light bulb moment where they're- you say something in a way that someone else hasn't been able to do successfully for it to be received. And then they don't feel, they're not as defensive because you're not approaching them directly and saying, yeah, right.
2: You're You're not, you're, it's not like you're not confronting them with uh, something that, yeah, that they see it themselves. They see it for themselves, but you know, I'm, it's pretty amazing how, how many people are more and more are looking at the horse in a different way than the traditional way, you know? There are, were, were a lot of, quite a few people around, you know, in the traditional way, like the Dorances and everything that saw horses differently, but they didn't really have a, a huge, well, you know, impact. They did eventually, but I think along with, with the internet, you, people are exposed to this now and they see things and, they, and they're starting to change. So, you know, I'm not complaining about the old way of doing things. I'm, you know, things are getting better and better and better. Um with horses. I
3: think also once you see Mark's work or Jim's work, there's no going back. I cannot imagine anyone that then's like, no, I'll do it this other way. <laughs> yeah. You're good. yeah you're like I, I can't I think I'd
2: rather go back and fight with my horse.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just no, they're giving you such a good alternative to like a much better way of life. I cannot yeah. imagine that yeah. everyone probably just wishes they had found it a little sooner.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is when you're really struggling with your horse and your horse is like being bad and you don't know how to fix it. If someone is to march up to you and be like, it's this, this, and this, and your horse is sore, then they bet that's where you get people refusing to change from tradition because they feel attacked. But then if they're to watch something and they see you working on horses in a clinic that are responding the same way their horse does and how much the horse changes by the end of the video, then they can't go into denial as easily. And then it's also like, yeah, they come to it on their own yeah, they,
2: accord they,
1: and it's not an yeah, attack. Yeah, they come to
2: it on their own. And Mark has an interesting analogy for that because the way he trains horses is, is it so that horse, the horse will come to it on its own. The horse isn't gonna do something because you take the pressure off and you put the pressure on and take it off. The, the horse is gonna come to it, it's on its own. And, and he has this analogy where, where if you want, you're teaching a child how to, how to add and so, or do arithmetic and you say, okay, Um, what's two plus two and the, and the child says five. No, that's wrong. Uh, what's two plus two? Um, six. No. What's two plus two? Three. No. What's two plus two? Four. Yes, that's right. So the child got it right, but the child didn't learn how to add. The child just learned through, um, basically putting pressure on and taking it off that two and two is four, but it didn't really learn how to add. So, um, his philosophy with horses is leading the horse to figure it out on its own. And then it becomes more, it becomes real for the horse. The horse isn't just doing it because it was told it needed to do it, or it's the easiest way to do it. So it's the same with people and uh, with the type of body work that we do. The, one of the key things is that when you run into resistance with the horse, when you're doing, going through movements and manipulations with the horse, you're asking for some part of the body to move. And when it braces or resists, you soften. And when you soften, the horse releases that resistance. And then you can go through it. So you can get the horse's nervous system to release physical tension in the body by softening when you run into resistance. And it, and I realized at one point when I started teaching is that it works with people, too. When you run into resistance with a person, rather than brace against it, you soften. And when you soften, they soften. And then you can move through it. So, um it's it kind of is like what you're talking about. You know, you somebody has to experience it. You can't tell them, okay, soften. You they they have to experience
3: it. What's and, great and, in the film too is it's on the women to do that. It's on the human in this situation because they you have to lead the you have to lead by example, and so you're sort of seeing these human beings go through the process of. You know, overcoming that vulnerability. I mean, and and it is very. It does. So when you you said attack Shelby, and that is in the film sometimes, or when I was filming it, I could feel that it felt like an offense to the individual because they love their horses so unconditionally. You know, even when Mark would say, you know, bring attention to the teeth, and one of the women said, I just got their teeth done, and so it's not saying that 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 they did anything wrong. It's just saying. I understand that um yes you did and there's still some stuff going on yeah. so you know be 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 okay with that and and it's and let's let's move from into something new from that let's learn from that yeah
2: yeah there's no judgment there's no judgment about it for on the human or the horse it's just if, if this isn't working let's do something different and when you run into resistance often then and um I don't know. The, the, I think the the film's really cool because it was completely different uh, perspective than um, than we're used to with horse with horse things.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because through like a film, people get a different experience than they would even from going at a clinic. So even people who have come to your clinics and seen you, they can get a different experience from watching the film than what they might have at a clinic, which is really interesting. And it's also just more accessible to everyone, which is really good because, yeah, and like all of the concepts, too, like what you mentioned about um, the pressure and release and softening, working for people, too. It's, it's really interesting because, yeah, usually when people get better at handling their animals or being more sensitive to their horses and their feelings, they also, by default, start to, like, get better in their human-to-human relationships because a lot of the behavior concepts for, like, animals apply to people. It's just more complex in the way people think, yeah, but
2: animal, whor- a lot of the same horses thing are so, Horses are less complica- complicated than people, so um, it's true, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's so awesome. So I have, a, yeah, I, have an, I have another question okay. for you that is um, in relation to what you do. And that is, as a body worker, are there certain areas on the horse that you find are more prone to tension or soreness, or are certain problems that you consistently see repeating themselves when you're working on horses? Oh,
2: yeah, there's there. I mean, in general, but there are certain patterns in the horses of tension in the horse's body that show up that are caused by different things. Because everything we work on in the horse's body, every all the tension is caused by something. And so um, often it'll show up in patterns. But, but um, early on, I learned that there's three key junctions in the horse's body that will accumulate tension and kind of get torqued because it doesn't build uh, evenly, unilaterally. I mean, uh, it, it builds asymmetrically. So the pole and the atlas probably is the most important junction in the horse and, and tension in the pole and atlas. When they accumulate tension in the pole and atlas, it affects the whole rest of the, the, all the rest of the body. And anything going on in the body shows up as tension in the pole and atlas. So for me, that's probably the most important junction in the horse. And um, and there, the, I mean, the whole horse's body is important, but then the next junction is the next shoulder withers junction. Oh, oh, oh you're gonna get me teaching now so i'll try to i'll try to kind of c- control myself but the neck shoulder withers junction where the forelimbs and the neck join the trunk is the, is another key junction and the sacroiliac and sacral lumbar junction where the hind limbs join the body so all the 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 um the the energy exerted by the horse's limbs that transfer into the body transfer at those two junctions sacroiliac sacral lumbar and in the neck shoulder withers junction and then the pole and the atlas is probably the most important but you got and they get torqued because it builds up unevenly and then when one junction gets torqued it it affects the rest of the body um and so uh we look at the horse as a whole you know it's not just oh here's a problem the problems in the in the right right front foot or the problems in the the hip joint it's not it's all or the it's the sacroiliac it's not just one thing the problem we're going to be connected to something else, connected to something else, and caused by something else. So, again, a long answer. Those this is like- how his
3: clinics start, right? So yeah. the the attendants come, they get really scared and overwhelmed by the body of knowledge that they're supposed to internalize, and then Jim goes, "Now forget everything I said, yeah, and let's just do this part. Don't worry about it." Yeah, and don't worry- <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: like, you don't have to worry about what the muscles are, you know, that you don't have to worry, that doesn't matter what their name is, it just matters where you, the tension builds in the body. And you ask the horse where that is with the body work. We ask, we search, search for responses. And when we get responses, we stay until they release. So the horse will tell you where it's holding tension. And and another kind of um, premise of the whole uh, what Mark and I do is, is not to try to come to conclusions. Don't try to figure it out because we have this need to be right about stuff. We have the need to be, to be the one that figures it out. And you have to let go of that to, from the start. Don't worry about being right. Don't worry about getting it right or this is right or this is wrong. You just start gathering information from the horse and from the situation. And then you start addressing those things. And pretty soon the problem is, has, is solved or improved, but you don't have to let what, Uh, what it was like, well, what caused that? Well, that's not important at this point. After you're all done, you can find out what might've caused it. Does that make sense, Shelby? It's kind of-
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's a really good sentiment because I find that like a lot of the defensiveness that we see in horse people is like related to not wanting to be wrong or like the shame of admitting something that you might've inadvertently done or like a situation that the horse is in because of you might've caused- The pain. Um, And then there's, a yeah, people don't like admitting to that. And then it kind of halts their ability to kind of progress and learn from situations because that's been my experience as a horse person too. That was like my biggest downfall was not wanting to be wrong and not wanting to admit that things that I was doing, that there was a better way of doing them or that there is a different way that I could be training or teaching my horses to avoid certain issues. Um, And I viewed it as a weakness to admit that when really like when you look at yourself and you're like reflecting and seeing where you can change is actually a strength to be able to look at and go like these are problems that I can work on or these are areas of concern in my horse that I should be mindful of and mm-hmm. pay attention to. Yeah, if you, can let go,
2: if you can let go of that need to be right and to figure it out right now, if you can let go of that, that's like trying to, try, trying to fix the horse right now. You can't fix the horse right now. It's an ongoing process of making it things better and better. So if you can let go of that need to be right, you can actually make a lot of difference. You know, If you have the attitude that you're gonna try to fix something, with the body work the horse is going to brace against it because you're going you're coming in with an agenda so let go of your agenda and you end up fixing things not that that's the goal the goal isn't to fix things the goal is to just to make them better so it's even when
3: even when the clients would say i got it you're right jim that makes so much sense then they'd go to do the body work and they and they'd be like my horse isn't releasing (laughs) jim would say Well, again, I think you're attached to an expectation of release and, and it's, it's like peeling the onion. You don't realize how programmed or conditioned you are to have these expectations. And so then again, seeing the women and this, this, this particular clinic I went to was all women. That's why I keep saying that, but I know men and women go to their, um, to their clinics, but, uh, they would again, have to remind themselves to let go and just have this experience versus trying to get something done yeah um,
2: or figure it out you know figure it to, out. Uh, yeah. or get some yeah to have the expectation that you have a result in your mind and then that's not the same result the horse has in its mind so you have to kind of let go a little bit so
1: yeah, that's a really good way of like wording things to, mm-hmm. to let go and kind of, yeah, not have expectations, but just kind of watch the situation unfold mm-hmm. um, as is. So with that in mind, would you say that like with your method, um, like because I've seen like everything that you've been doing on your website and then now with this movie, it, it seems to me like my take on it is that you have a method that's like accessible to like any horse person if they're looking to learn more about their horse and ways oh, to yeah. make
2: Any, their horse anybody more comfortable. Anybody can learn how to do this. That's the the thing. It's not, you don't have to learn a lot of anatomy. You don't have to, all you have to do is learn how to read what your horse is telling you and learn learn certain levels of touch and feel that you use when you're working with the horse. And that's what we do. That's what we teach people now. And, and then you can go from there. But um, that's the thing about, that's why I started teaching this and sharing it with people, you know, because I mean, I was making a good living working on horses, but um, I knew I was going to get old someday and might not be able to work on horses, but people wanted to start learning it because it was so interactive with the horse. You know, you're really interacting with the horse. And so I realized anybody could learn how to do this. So I started teaching it.
1: Um, Yeah. And that's really important to like passing off your knowledge so that other people can kind of continue it. That's, makes a really big difference in the horse world because it's going It more people are connected through yeah, that well, I can learning. make a living sharing this
2: so and, and you can go on our website and we have we have tons of YouTube free videos on how to do certain different techniques because uh, I want people to go out and try it and see if it works and if it works for them then they then they'll come and learn more but um, uh, on our website, I think it's on the about page. If you scroll down, there's a video on how to do this technique we call the bladder meridian technique. And this technique is so simple and it's so effective. And it's how you learn how to, how to start reading what your horse is telling you and watching its responses and watching it release the tension. So, uh, you know, you can, it's so easy to do. And my, it's my goal that every horse on the planet has this done to it. And, uh, and it's free and it's easy, you know? Why not, Why not go do it yeah. and see if that's what you wanna continue doing? Uh, I get emails all the time from people that, that do the bladder meridian technique. It's a Chinese medicine meridian, the bladder meridian. Doesn't sound really, you know, <laughs> the bladder meridian, but that's what it is. And, and you run your hand down this line of the horse and watch for responses um, with a certain level of pressure, which is absolutely no pressure. And you wait when you get a response and you just, all you have to do is have a little patience and trust that it's going to possibly work and um, and just do what it says. And you're I get emails from people that say their horses have, have, they've had problems for years with something and the horse internally lets something go in its nervous system that, that they had a new horse. So, you know, they had a new horse for free, you <laughs> know not everybody that needs a new horse for free but you know some people don't have a horse with with longstanding issues but a lot of people do so um that's back to the point anybody can learn to do this in about 10 minutes can start learning how to do this and and uh, connect with their horse in in a new way and uh, you know so anyways that's my my goal now so
1: that's a really awesome goal to have. And also, yeah, the free YouTube videos aspect of it is like so much more accessible, especially for young people. On YouTube, they're way more likely to find things. So if they can come across a free video on how they could potentially make their horses well, like yeah, and, better, and, and, that and,
2: and I'm not just putting matters. free videos out there so people will buy other videos. I mean, you can, there's probably 30 YouTube, but people, a lot of people go online onto our website or our YouTube channel and they try this stuff. And they, it really works for them. So they just continue to do it off of YouTube. And they, I mean, th- that they just go with it. And other people want to learn more and they come and learn more. But either way, you know, the horse benefits. And it, as it turns out, you know, as you can see in Dylan's film, the human benefits too.
1: Yeah, I bet even just by working on the horses, a lot of riders get to relieve their own tension because it's so frustrating to deal with something like a problem that's caused by something and for the horse it'd be like tension or pain or stress or something but then the riders kind of they have their own goals and like their own timeline that they want to move on so when something that you can't identify disrupts that it's like a very negative emotional state Mm -hmm. so giving people more control by teaching them things that they can do to change their situation I think that'll help with a lot of riders mental states because it's, it's just so frustrating to work with horses because they're difficult animals, but it's even more frustrating if you don't know where to start with a problem or what's causing it. Um, We're also
3: sort of touching yeah. on only half of the, the film because this clinic that this dual clinic that they run. So a horse comes in and Jim first does body work on the horse, just like you're saying, Shelby, to get to that sort of point where... Um, they're, they're more relaxed. And then, but then we have to deal with the amount of force that the, that the rider is exerting. And that's where Mark comes in. And he, just like, just like Jim is saying, like the most gentle touch horses can feel. So when we're doing the body work, you know, this gentility is paramount. It's the same when you're on the horse. And there's one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Jim teaches one of the women, just think about moving. Don't, use your legs don't do anything just think about it and she just thinks and the horse moves and it's that thing of all right well in every aspect of this now soften with the amount of force you're exerting and sort of trust that this relationship is building and um i think it's so brilliant that they why they do this together and sometimes mark won't even begin jim and mark assess together the horse before Anything and and they'll tell the rider right away, um, like, I'm sorry, but we, we can't even see ride today because the horse needs body work first. And you can see when the rider's sort of bummed because all day they've been seeing other people get to ride. <laughs> and, well, and they then... don't
2: notice they don't notice what, what's been what's going on with their horse because they've been doing the same thing for so long with their horse and the horses learned to the horses learn to adjust to what they're they're doing and cover up what's really bothering it physically. You know, the horses learn to adjust so. That, that was the whole thing about Mark Would for years and years and years, people bring horses to him at clinics to, you know, help them with a problem with the horse. And Mark would watch the horse go. And he'd say, this horse is having difficulty doing what you're asking physically. You know, that's the problem. It's not, that's where we got to start right there. And he would say, go have your horse taken care of by a chiropractor or something first. So he, he, he said he got, he was sending away like 30 to 40% of people that came to him with, with, problems and so he wanted to learn something to be able to help him with the problems so he and his wife Chrissy they we crossed came across each other at a horse expo and they learned and Chrissy became a certified practitioner and so that they could help with the physical issues as well as the behavioral issues and then um Chrissy came up with this brilliant idea of having a joint clinic where we we combined the two you know the physical issues with the behavioral issues and it worked out really cool and uh that's how the those clinics work. And it's, uh, yeah, Yeah, the more you can do with your horse on that level of softness, the better, the better experience you both you and your horse are going to have, it doesn't mean you're not going to have escalations. And it doesn't mean you're not going to run into problems. But you're going to be able to help the horse figure them out a lot quicker if the horse doesn't have physical pain and if the horse understands what you're asking, because you're, you're paying attention to it and you're asking it on that level of softness instead of the level of panic that the horse reaches when it's, when it's scared, because that's what we do. The horse reaches that certain level of panic. We go up there with it and then Mm -hmm. who's going to, who's going to come down. You know,
3: (laughs) I think also in your, our adult lives, how often is it that we get, feedback or sort of someone trying to tell us something with no judgment and I it's so rare I feel like you have to be quite you've got to be somebody who has pure objectivity and like no stake in the game except for your benefit for your happiness and we're so um as human beings we're so it's so hard for us to trust that people's Advice is not laden with their own BS and sort of and 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 their own trauma and struggles and judgments and I think it's so incredible to see these at the beginning of these clinic this dual clinic when these women meet Jim and Mark for the first time and or get to work with them some of them for the first time and they have two men who are just so gracious and no judge. I mean, no judgment. It's just, we're just calling things like it is and it's not bad or good. It just is. And so if we want it to be something different, cool, let's figure out how to do that. And I think the lesson in that is, is twofold. Cause it's also like, how as we as human beings can trust other people and, you know, listen to the things maybe that they have to say. And if it doesn't resonate, that's okay. And if it does great, but it's, it says it has, it says nothing about us you know, that yeah. we're not, more-
2: some, some people come looking for the right answer, you know, the answer to a question, what's the right answer? And there is no right answer. That's there's what works or makes it better or what doesn't, you know, there's no, no, well, actually,
3: there was one writer who was getting, I remember that clinic was really frustrated by what you guys were saying, because what you guys are offering, it's sort of like, it's like a new philosophy in a way. It's not just so simple of do this and this will happen it's almost more frustrating but the benefits are far longer term and maybe for a completely new way of life and but that is that's hard it's like you know that's really yeah going to the foundations of reprogramming the way somebody does something yeah.
1: I I think too, that there's a lot like outside of the horse world as well, but definitely within it, a lot of people kind of expect, or they look for instant gratification. And when they can't get that, that's where they kind of start getting easily frustrated. But as soon as you learn to be patient and realize that like, it actually takes less time to get to your end goal, if you do it properly and you're not in a rush and you're not just trying to do whatever you can to kind of muscle your way to a show or whatever your goals are. I think once people realize that it's actually faster to kind of take the softer approach um, because you don't run into pain issues or behavior issues from rushing or scaring your horse, Mm -hmm. then they kind of start to be more willing to change, but it's hard to realize that if you're not willing to try. Um, And it's really hard to develop patience if you've never had to. So (laughs) I, I can see, I can see the difficulty, but that's also why it's so cool that the clinic focuses on like not just the horse but the human's response to how the horse behaves and also like I think it would be it's really valuable to have a clinic where you assess the horse on the ground and you're working on them and then you also get to see the same horses under saddle because it probably gives a lot more insight on what's going on than what you'd get just from seeing the horse um, which is really cool
3: and to enjoy the journey I think which is really nice that it's I, I, I keep seeing it as like, it's a life lesson as well as a lesson within the clinic of, you know, enjoy the process of, of learning more about your horse and having and developing this deeper relationship. Just like if my goal is to like get someone to do something, um, I mean, it's just, it's, I feel like there's so much more, life is the journey part right? Because once they do that thing, I'm going to want to do something else. And it's it's like a never-ending cycle, as opposed to, let me just be in this moment and experience me learning how to, or trying to get the thing I'm trying to achieve without, with um, my therapist, like in therapy, you learn, like you set the intention, then you let it go. And for years, I was like, this is dumb. I don't get it because it's like, why would I set the intention if then I'm not attached to it? But I get, you know, the more you do it, the practice, the more you get it of like I'm setting in with the intention of relieving tension from my horse. And now I let go of all that. And I'm just here and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give it a try.
2: Well, your horse is the therapist, then.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like that. another thing he says too, which I love, which re- this film, I thought about it a lot is he'd say like progress. You don't feel like you're going anywhere. Right. And then, cause life is not like a, like a big mountain. It's just kind of like a spiral that just keeps going. So you don't feel how you've progressed at all, but then you look behind you and you're like, Oh damn, I'm like levels above where I was, you know, a while ago. And so you sort of, that's the, there's the, the, the fruits of your labor. You're not going to ever feel like I've, I've come so far just one day. You're going to realize you've progressed. And so, man, I can't, I'm if I went up to Jim and Mark's clinic and like had to change my, I've seen the women had to change their lives in order to start embodying it. And it's a feat. And it's like, you know, it's, it's <laughs> they'd say it's like a gift they brought themselves, but then they were also like, but it's also making me so nervous <laughs> and vulnerable that all these things would come up for them because well, it's
2: supposed to be fun.
3: <laughs> yeah. Have fun too. They'd be like, Oh, then they would. <laughs> they would, they would, they didn't want it to end. Nobody wanted that couple days to end. And, 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 and there are people that go back year after year. I've seen, I've seen how they like they sell out and they can't, it's, it, it's an insatiable thing when somebody meets them and works with them.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. I, I think that all of that's so important and it's it's nice because I don't find that very many clinicians in the horse world actually like address the human horse relationship and like the human state of mind and how they might react to things because um, some some people are like very harsh in how they go about stuff when they're training, especially where it's kind of like, very directed at the person so I think that it's really nice to see that there's clinicians that take the softer approach because I bet a lot of horse people go into it kind of expecting to need to be on the defense and expecting to like meet harsh criticism rather than just like advice telling them ways they can better their life and the lives of their horses Um, and yeah the defensiveness I think stops a lot of people from growth so the less they meet a wall that makes them feel like they need to go into fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. I think the more progress we'll have in the horse world.
2: So Shelby, what kind of riding do you do?
1: I I'm like. Turning, I kinda, I'm turning
2: the tables on you
1: now. I do. I, oh yeah, you're doing the interview now. <laughs> I do a lot of like a little bit of everything because I gallop race horses on the track as like an exercise rider for part of the season, and then I do like most of my training business is like starting horses under saddle or taking in. People's problem horses or working with thoroughbreds once they're retired from racing. So, most of the horses I work with in some capacity are either nervous due to lack of experience or nervous due to previous experiences that were negative or have behavioral problems because of like their management or how they were ridden or trained in the past, and sometimes due to pain too. So, um, it's interesting because I get to see kind of the full scale of like different types of people and how the handling impacts the horse and also what a lot of the typical problems are in certain industries um but with that said like for my personal riding like short answer is i do show jumping and dressage i don't want i don't do eventing because cross country is too scary for me um but i really i really like doing that and i also really like the race horses so definitely still there's like a part of my heart that is working at the racetrack. I just don't want to work there full time. I, I really like. She's also got her
3: great website. merch, Jim. I saw her website. She's got adorable cartoon merchandise, and <laughs> it's you. yeah,
1: yeah. I do a little bit of everything, um, and like I try to dip my feet in the water of like yeah, making like videos, merch, training, and a little bit of everything.
3: You said at one point like your age, you're twenty five, and I was like, I don't understand. She's. <laughs> she's done more in 25 years than most people.
1: (laughs) I've been involved with horses for a long time too. So it's kind of like, I find for me that like most of my personal growth was actually in a pretty short period of time because I stagnated for so long doing the same thing and like making the same mistakes. And then once you kind of start to change things, then it happens quickly because it's like a snowball effect where you realize something works and you kind of dive headfirst into it and want to keep learning and changing. So for me, like my, my horsemanship within like the last five years, I found has changed way more than it had like in a decade prior to that because I was very stuck in my ways for a very long time. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, try, uh, thoroughbreds that come off the track are I, you know, I come across a lot of them and they, they are so good at covering up physical issues, you know, oh, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I don't know a lot about the track. I mean, I've worked on thoroughbreds off the track and a few, just a few for, for racing trainers, um, for whatever reason, I know you probably know more than I do about why trainers mm-hmm. don't want to spend money on their, on uh, body work for their horses, but um, I mean, so many come off with, I mean, that I come across and they, they might have not have been racing for years, sometimes decades. And they're, I'm still finding stuff. I still find stuff in their body that they probably have been carrying since the track, because they're so good at covering it up. And I wonder if they, you know, a lot of them don't continue, you know, racing because of physical issues, but they don't, it's not recognized that they've, they've got a physical issue. They still run, but yeah. they're not playing. So
1: I uh, think that lots, would I would say lots because it's not always like a severe one that you can catch by like an x-ray because I know a lot of trainers are very quick to get like a lameness workup with like an x-ray or like ultrasound and like looking for like an injury that can be treated rather than into the muscle and doing stuff like that Um, because I find it's the racing industry more so than anything else I do is very old school in the thinking so a lot of people in it don't like believe in body work even though it's not like a unicorn or something that you get to decide whether or not you believe in it's just something that works um so I find that a lot of them are kind of slow for that but then I also think that At the racetrack in specific, I think there's a lot of like management issues that play a role because the horses that live at the track are in stalls like 23 hours a day. And then when you're working out really hard and then you just go stand for hours on end, it's probably so bad for your muscles. And that's without taking into consideration all of the riders and trainers that have horses that are tense or anxious and then they go about a certain way while they're exercising that's also not healthy and then they don't have the same chance to kind of like balance it from going out in the field um, and doing their own thing and I think that's why so many of them have like the muscular issues or like stiffness and tension that they don't know how to get rid of.
2: Yeah. There's this thing I call mystery lameness and often it's in the hind end and sometimes in the front, but you can't find it in the feet and legs. You can't can't find it in the bones. You can't find it in x-rays and you can't find it on muscles. You can't even feel it on muscles because it's in, it's something in the deeper core muscles that's spasmed. and they, and if you can't find it in the feet and legs and you can't find it in the back, then it's in the, it's in the core muscles and, but nobody, you know, really pays attention to that anymore. They don't, because you can't see it and you can't feel it, but you can get the horse to release it. But so many horses that are off the track thoroughbreds that I've worked on, they have that, what what I call mystery. Eventually, it comes out down the road that they, I call it mystery hind end lameness. And um, they've carried, carried it with them for a long time. You can tell when a horse has been holding on to something for a really long time because it turns from pain to just stuck, you know, restriction, no pain at all. It's just stuck. And, um, and it's on the inside, and so, uh, but it's interesting, you know. That, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I I just wonder how many thoroughbreds didn't thoroughbreds didn't continue on their careers because that because of that they were covering up something, and then it just stuck with them, and it turns up with the owner years and years later, uh, often, especially if they're, they're working the horse, you know, especially if it's eventing or dressage or or, or um, hunter jumper sometimes although now it's more warm bloods but
0: yeah yeah
1: I think a lot of issues that people have with their horses like either being like physically incapable of like competing to the level they're asked of or like behavioral issues I find that a lot of them are due to like some level of like physical discomfort or even mental discomfort sometimes because some like I have had a lot of thoroughbreds that like they go off the track and then they'll go to someone that's in a rush so they go and throw draw reins on them or they they try to muscle them into a certain position that they're not fit to do and that they're not supple enough to do and then the horse just never gets to learn how to relax properly and actually start like being flexible and supple in their muscle and I I think like in my opinion because I love thoroughbreds and I know like people either love them or hate them and they have a lot of stereotypes about being like neurotic crazy animals but I from my experience all of the neurotic craziness is the fault of the handlers in some capacity even if they mean really well it's usually something that's fixable through management or like addressing pain or training them in a way that is going at their pace rather than trying to like rush them into something and like i used to rush them too and i used to take all the shortcuts and stuff when i first started getting them and like back then i had thoroughbreds that were neurotic and now i don't and it's not that i'm just picking better horses there's no yeah, way I had that the it's same just experience related with
2: to body them. work because i used to teach um when i was teaching classes i i would always be able to come across you know we go to different barns and i could find a horse that was a difficult horse to work on because that's a big part of you know working on horses if you you have to be able to handle them and I used to at one day during, for example, our five b advanced course, I'd say, well, I'm going to work with a difficult horse now because I want to show you what to do with a horse that keep throwing its head or keep, you know, trying to get, you know, get you get rid of you. And um, when I stopped working on show horses and just focused completely on teaching, um, I slowed way down in the body work and I have trouble finding difficult horses to work on now you know to demonstrate how to work on a difficult horse and it's not because all of a sudden the horses are getting better it's because I changed something just kind of inadvertently I slowed down because I didn't have to work on so many horses a day and and I was able to handle the horses in a way that they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, give me trouble so it's a similar thing like yeah I was in the same boat you were so
1: yeah it's very much the same thing and then yeah it's way more peaceful that way too which is like what I was thinking with what you were saying earlier, like, to, yeah, taking your time and studying your mind. And I think that if everyone did that, they'd actually progress faster because you get more done if you're not trying to rush, because as soon as you try to rush, if you cross the line that like the animal or the person's comfortable mm-hmm. with, you're going to have a way harder time getting them back to like baseline relaxation yeah. than you would if you just never escalated it to that point. Yeah, it's way
2: more peaceful. Um, that can get boring yeah. too. I, wanna, I want some difficult horses every now and then, you know, but-
1: yeah 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 i find the same thing too where you don't have like like in training it's a little bit different but like i don't have horses that are being explosive under tack when i'm starting Mm -hmm. them now and like people think that's the exciting part of starting horses like what i do is very boring because it's slow and the horses aren't exploding because it's always it's always more interesting to watch yeah,
2: it's a little bit of a challenge that's high energy Yeah.
1: yeah yeah But it, it's interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff, like with the body work and with training and just being more mindful of like how the horse feels, it's all connected. And it's also important to like actually enact change in the horse world and make the lives better for the horses. Because once you start doing that, even if you start just doing it for body work or in training, it kind of starts to expand to every other aspect of your life and how you handle the animal. Um, which is interesting yeah I
2: can still come across difficult people but you know so I don't I haven't really like changed my life that much so
1: yeah I I look forward to
2: the day when I don't come across any difficult people because I'm handling them different but they're more complicated.
1: that'd be a dream for hard to find there's always difficult people and so so I suppose the the last question I have for you for today would just be like if you could give like one piece of advice to like all horse owners, just as like a general rule, like something that you think needs to be heard most what would it be?
2: Well, I think um, just you know with this when we work on a horse we we every once in a while we step back and see what the horse has to say and if you've got a good release of attention, the horse will give you certain behaviors like you know repeated yawning or snorting and sneezing or You just step back to see if anything let go and it might take might take 10 seconds it might take 60 seconds it might take even longer but at some point the horse will just let its breath out and shift its weight from leg to leg for example and so we don't give the horses time to process what we're doing whether it's body work or training any kind of interaction we're we're, we don't give the horse time to process it and if you did um doesn't matter what you do whether it's another modality besides what we do whether it's riding, whether it's do, doing anything, if you just take the time every once while well, just to take the pressure off the horse for no reason at all—not to get a result, not to get it to do something for—but just take the pressure off and step back and just watch for for a minute, and you'll and you'll probably see a change in your horse. But you don't—we don't give the horse that chance because we don't we don't recognize that it needs it. I guess I don't know why. And plus, we're humans and we want to do everything fast, but. Um, Like you said, we want to get the result right away. But if you can let go of that agenda and just step back every once in a while and take the pressure off your horse just to see what it has to say, you're probably going to get a lot better results in general with stuff. So if there was one piece of advice, that's that's what I would say.
1: Yeah, that's really important. And it's good advice for anything too, like even outside of horses, just to kind of sit back and stop being so frantic about mm. every goal in life or like what you're trying to do. And it's interesting to you because what you said there is like basically the the metaphor for like the title of your docu- documentary is that exact concept is like taking a step back.
2: Yeah. And I, I was stealing. I was shooting for a mind like a nice cold beer, but they, they didn't go for it. <laughs> that would be funny.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, that's so great that and I, I'm, I'm excited to check out the movie. And then yeah, for anyone who's interested to find the movie, you can You said you could find it on Amazon Prime iTunes or everywhere. 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 Just everywhere.
3: Any of those a mind like still water you can write also the after that you can write Jim Masterson, Mark Rashid any of Dylan Silver any of those key key words just
2: give Dylan a call Dylan give me your number everybody's going
3: give- <laughs> to Everybody <laughs> wants to call me they'll have horse <laughs> questions <laughs> yeah
1: no that that's so awesome and I think that's a good thing for everyone to check out and even just the conversation here Um, I think it's so important because everything you you say like about body work and like behavior and like taking a step back and taking your time it's quite progressive in terms of like how the general person on the show circuit might view things because it's all about the speed at which you accomplish things rather than like whether they're executed well Um, and I think that that idea of becoming more mainstream and people being able to access it through your movie, and like I said earlier, without feeling like pressured to do so, I think that's how we're going to start to kind of see things start rolling towards like where people calm down and they just take their time and they step back and try to see how their horse feels and what they think. Um, and I think that's really powerful and great. So, wow.
3: yeah. Whether you're a horse lover or a novice or know nothing about them, I think the film has something for everyone, so. um,
2: Yeah, that's the cool thing about it, doesn't, even if you're a horse person, like you were saying, Shelby, you, you know, you get used to doing certain things, things a certain way for a long period of time. And I mean, even just, you know, this films, people are gonna get something out of that, whether they're an experienced horse person or whether they just love horses or,
1: perfect yeah so I that that's like really really cool that yeah your entire like kind of philosophy about um body work is so applicable to training and every everything else um and I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people and through watching the documentary like they can yeah do that on their own time get interested in it and not feel like they're being targeted or like someone's talking down to them or trying to be like your methods are wrong these are right type thing I think that like the the way you execute what you say and like how you speak to people is like so like like you put yourself on the same level as them you're not trying to go like I know so much more than you or like these are all the things that are wrong with like horses or people in the horse world and I think that makes you like way people way more receptive to everything that you're saying um which is how yeah you're gonna make a big difference in doing exactly that and also making it mainstream so that anyone can learn what you're doing rather than having it just be you is really neat because it just gives people tools to fix problems themselves then and not be so reliant on other people all the
3: time which is neat you've just described mark and jim i'm like they don't sell like uh, tools or certain particular products to use anything that you buy is they're teaching their eloquency with words the books they write the videos they make but it's all about giving you the tools to empower you to be able to do the work and I think that's um, really really freaking cool
1: it's a really selfless act too because I find that a lot of people that are like selling training or clinics they'll try to make it so that the only way you can access certain forms of information is if you go to them Um, because it makes them have a more clientele which makes sense but giving people the tools to kind of learn things themselves and learn from you at a clinic and then apply their knowledge consistently. And then they can always come back to you or like go look at your website and use videos on there. So there's still that form of like connection if they need further support, but yeah, you're empowering people to kind of help them identify and fix their own problems, which helps the horses way more than it would if they couldn't do that. Cause then they would need someone to come and do it for them. Um, uh,
2: it reaches more horses and more people that way. And it works. It works to do things that way. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. This has been a really great conversation and I'm excited to check out the documentary. And it, also is what, is yeah. it
2: what you expected Shelby?
1: Like I, I I, expected it to be more specific to body work. So I am so excited that there is so much discussion that is also applicable to training horses and their behavior in general, because it'll make a big difference with people, especially like if the the way you say things is different from how I've heard anyone else explain similar concepts. So it'll reach different people, like even if they've heard a similar idea from someone else, the way you say something might resonate with them more, and then they'll connect with it and kind of take it with them when they might have not done it at another point. So I think that the amount of detail that you've given, like through the questions and just talking about the documentary and like what you do. Um, it's really interesting because it gives people so much information that's applicable to so much more than body work. Um, yeah. and even just more than horses in general. So yeah, it, I, it was better than I expected. Cause I, I thought I was expecting not necessarily talking about in detail, like aspects that are so applicable to every like every interaction you have with your horse basically um rather than just working on their muscles it's about like how you yeah. connect with them at any point um but there's nothing
2: more boring, boring than hearing a bunch of muscles
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i
2: don't know them all anyway so
1: yeah <laughs> they're long names too i would never yeah. remember them they're
2: big old long latin yeah. names you know like spaghettius yeah. ferrarius muscle Spaghettius.
1: Per- <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah No, that's so awesome. Um, And so for anyone looking to check out any of Jim's stuff, you can go to his website, MastersonMethod.com. And you can also look up the name of the documentary, uh, which is A Mind Like Still Water, right? That's correct?
3: Yeah, you got it.
1: Okay, yeah. And you can look up the movie and watch it on a number of different platforms. So whatever floats your boat, you can Watch it on there and check it out. You
2: can you can rent it on those platforms too. You don't have to buy it, so perfect. And it goes along with my philosophy more. You know, you don't have to buy something you're you may not like. You get to try it first. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, the videos that they can check out if they want to try the bladder meridian point on your website and see how it works for their horses too. That just
2: gave me an idea. I think we might start selling popcorn on our website so (laughs) people can watch buy our popcorn and then watch the (laughs) video i want shelby's
3: sticker on it her cute sticker
2: yeah
1: yeah oh yeah thank you (laughs) sell a sticker with every bag of popcorn (laughs) Uh, but that's yeah that's so great and like congratulations to like all the work that you've put in with developing the documentary and all the clinics and hours oh, so, up to uh,
2: Dylan Dylan and her crew did all the work we just <laughs> did what we do it was amazing yeah we did.
1: well that's so awesome um big congrats because it's just like these types of things becoming more accessible for people to watch within the horse world I think is so important because mm-hmm. there's just not enough out there on horses in documentary form and like mainstream movies that are fictional depict horses in like the most unrealistic way. So, mm-hmm. the more access people have to this type of stuff, the more change will happen. And um, I'm so excited to have had both of you on the podcast. And um, I think that people are going to learn a lot from this conversation because it's a, it's been a very very interesting conversation. Thanks okay. for having us, Shelby. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah. And then have a beautiful day and enjoy the rest of your night. And I'm really looking forward to being able to share this with people because it it'll help a lot of people with their horses and give them something to work on with their problems or any body work that they need to do on their horse so it'll give them options which I find a lot of riders need because if they're frustrated and they feel like nothing's working getting another option to use is like that bright light of hope in a dark night that they can use so I think that's really great so thank you so much for that and and taking the time to discuss this and give all of your knowledge
0: and everything on here. That's so great. Thank you to all of you who listened to this podcast, and most of all, thank you to Jim Masterson and Dylan Silver for coming in and letting me interview them on the podcast for this episode. I hope that everyone listening got something that they could take away from this that was helpful or interesting, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm planning on doing some more interviews in the future as well because I think this is a fun way to feature all sorts of different talent in the horse world. So yeah, definitely let me know what you think of this episode, and I would really love to hear your your thoughts. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, just so you all know, I have a Patreon account that you can subscribe to for as little as a dollar a month and access behind-the-scenes content to watch and listen to and also offer podcast suggestions for topics that I can look at and consider in the future. So there's lots of cool things that you can access on the Patreon account, and then I also have my merch and my saddle pads and other stuff that can be accessed for supporting the podcast and helping me to continue to improve my equipment and the types of things that I can offer on here. So thank you all for listening, and thank you all for your support. I really appreciate it, and I hope you liked this episode.